Hello, it's me. So, hi everyone. It's Adele. And it's, we're doing musical. Adele. Um, I'm not even, that's the worst Adele. I didn't even try and do an Adele. All right. Hi everyone and welcome to Weekend on Fleek for our special musical episode where we do musical <laughs> stuff, where we sing the whole thing. No. Um, no, this is an episode where we're going to tackle... 10 musicals, but not actually 10. We watched 10 musicals, and because we don't like ourselves, but we also appreciate that time is a thing, we're narrowing it down to four by random happenstance and chance of pulling them out of a cup that Katrina has, that is just has Dreamgirls in there four times, and then a few other movies, probably. You, um, you think you're kidding, Richard. I'm actually, I don't. Um, so, this is a, this is a magic name from the call. So I I I I mean, you wanted to sing the whole thing. I thought maybe no, some I, reviews. I really, that might ooh, be nice for a musical episode. Uh, our viewership, our meager meager viewership, <laughs> listenership, will drop. Uh, Everybody loves a good kazoo. All right, so. But do they? Oh, yes. Even if they don't admit it, they like a good kazoo. Okay. All right. So everything everything is musical. So here is our our homemade percussion instrument right here with your fate. There you go. Oh, perhaps we should tell them the list of 10 films that we have to choose from yeah, here I prior to getting the um, the four drawn. So... We have, for our 10 musicals, I shall go through them quickly, My Fair Lady, Newsies, Phantom of the Opera, Sound of Music, Into the Woods, Hairspray, Dream Girls, Funny Girl, Les Miserables, and West Side Story. Was that 10? Twas. Twas 10. Okay, yeah. All right. Pulling out. Cause I don't want to wait. <laughs> He's there, the Phantom of the Opera. Okay, we got Phantom. <laughs> we got Dream Girls, boy. Phantom and Dream Girls. Be happy, yeah. <laughs> okay. Day is May. <gasps> My hills are alive with the sound of music. One last shake. Last one. Shake it like a polar vortex. On the street where you live. My fair lady. Oh. All right. Probably about to get ugly up in here. <laughs> Somebody going to be bleeding? <laughs> All right. So for our four films, we have Phantom of the Opera, Sound of Music, Dream Girls, and My Fair Lady. So, Trina. <laughs> Give us your week. All right. So with, with very little, uh, you know, prep, because 
We just pulled these out of a hat. But I do have to say that I made this magic little rubric here for myself. I'll just show the, the viewing audience. And whoa, that is complicated. I know. So that here looks like a my... draft pick for Major League Baseball or something. <laughs> this is this is teacher speak right here. So here are my categories: joy, mm. electricity. That's important. Singability, cast, production, story, stage show, emotion, and soundtrack. And I gave them all a score, zero to ten. Um, and happy to note that none of these films scored zero in any category. So that's nice. So Dream Girls, Sound of Music, Phantom, and My Fair Lady. All right. So if I go by my magic rubric, then out of these films, the weakest is Phantom of the Opera, but I could have told you that without even looking at my rubric. <laughs> I just wanted to for effect. So anyway. <clears throat> Um, I have to tell you that I love the show. I love the music. I love the story. Uh, those scored really high for me. I have had a love for these for 30, for that story for 30 years. And, uh, I'm like, you know, my part of the reason why I got into, uh, music and singing and, acting and teaching came from the music of Phantom of the Opera. And it kind of comes back in my life in various kinds of ways. Um, and I remember, I remember seeing this film the first time I saw it with a group of friends and uh, did I cry? I might've cried because it was like Phantom of the Opera is on screen. And this was before, you know, people would put up the whole show on YouTube that they, you know, took at, on Broadway, which you're not supposed to do, but people do anyway. No. Um, so this was like, you know, one more way to get um, access to the show. Right. <clears throat> and after the, uh, the initial, you know, excitement wore down, which was, it wore down very quickly. I was left with a bunch of question marks, like the Riddler has had been up in my house. Like, all right, so. Uh, did you make that joke because Joel Schumacher directed both Batman Forever and The Phantom of the Opera? You'll never know. You'll never know. <laughs> so, I'm just that smart, or I'm just that lucky. <laughs> you can decide. Um, anyway, I find the production to be mad weak mad week and uh being a, a singer and a lover of the story there were some things that i just did not like at all for example there were a lot of the sung lines that were spoken which took the actors out of the timing the genius timing of the music mm -hmm. and almost just no not almost did take the audience completely out of the joyful experience of being in the moment and experiencing it because it was, you know, just taken out of, taken out of time. So I didn't like that at all. Possibly one of the, my least favorite parts about that whole production. And sadly that caused my, uh, on my little rubric for the production to score a two out of 10, like mm. didn't appreciate that very much. Like I mentioned before, I love it. I love the show.
Also because of that and some other reasons, some casting choices I didn't appreciate very much. A lot of the joy of the show was sucked out of it. Um, and I can appreciate people being cast in a movie musical who are not necessarily singers first if their acting is that good, but it's gotta be that good. And you better have a production right behind it that is that good. Um, and unfortunately, I feel like there were some things missing from Gerard Butler. I think he did a fine job. He was, he bothered me the least of the people that, you know, sing but are not singers. Mm -hmm. um, there are some other productions I can think of, not Phantom of the Opera, that were on our list that did not make these four famous, <clears throat> who, where we have a lot of people who are cast who are not singers first that, that really drag the production down. Um, he didn't bother, he didn't bother me so much. Did not love uh, Christine. And um, yeah, there were, there were a couple people. So ca casting, casting wise in production, probably the weakest of the bunch. And like I said, the joy, on the other hand, I'll say some nice things about it too. There was something kind of fun about uh, being able to see something on film that has been on the stage or vice versa, because you get little details. For example, when you see um, Raoul visiting Christine's grave, um, you realize how young she was in the show. Right. And that that's kind of a, a, a quote unquote secret. People always talk about the secret of the fan of the opera is she is so young. Mm -hmm. Well, the actress at the time was quite young too. She was what, 18 or 19 when she did the film, which isn't as young as Christine is in the show, but still. Um, that has to be true because she, she still looks like she's about 20 years old now. So, <laughs> so um, I want to kind of press forward a little bit with this. And I want to ask, uh, uh, so for me, when, when I watched this one, I actually, I really like this movie because I come from, it's not my fleek, just for the record, but I really like this movie. But I come from a very different place. You were like, oh, I've seen this since I was a kid, blah, blah. I knew the songs of Phantom, some of them, but I'd never actually seen the production top to bottom. I'd never listened to all of the songs, anything like that. So for me, when I saw this, I... Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, and I think the production, the, the gaudiness of it is perfect. I think of Phantom as gaudy. You listen to this lush music and then you see these production values. This whole thing was filmed on, on stages at Pinewood Studios. So none of it's real. Um, and I love That's the, the first thing that they made a mistake on. <laughs> no, I think that was a brilliant. It's real. It's real because I think it's a it, it's a fantasy, and like the the period where he's walking her down to his his cavern, and there are actual painted men holding candelabras moving, and then you go down that same thing, and it doesn't have any of that gaudiness. It's all a mental projection on 
uh, Christine and the Phantoms part. I love that there's this toying with what is reality within the scope of it. I, um, Gerard Butler's not a fantastic singer, but I, I do, because uh, Hugh Jackman was seconds away from getting the part and then had a scheduling conflict and had to back out. Um, so was that a missed opportunity? Was that a, a missed bullet? Uh, I don't know, but I like Gerard Butler in this. I think he did a good I job. I do. Um, I like Emmy Rossum in this. Uh, I think she's a fine Christine. I think that she has a good voice. And I think she does emotionally, um, she does a capable job of, of convincing you that she's feeling things that um, are hard to convey sometimes. Raul, I'm not a fan of. Because you don't like the character of Raul. I also don't like the actor who played Raul. His voice was perhaps it is whoever put his wig on. Maybe they had the nicest voice of the bunch. Um, but um, I like the production. I like the lushness of it. I like the the gaudiness of it. I think it's very appropriate to the the play. I think it's very appropriate to the period, um, and I like the excess. We and we it, now interrupt this this news broadcast to tell you that I want to tell you something. I agree with you on set and costume. Choreography, I do not agree. It took you right out of time. Again, there's too many elements that take you out of the spectacle of it. Is it beautiful? Yes. Is the story completely captivating and like just soul nourishing? 100%. But then you have these moments in the production with the choreography and some of the casting choices and, you know, blah, 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 blah that just take you out of it too much. Okay. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on The Weakest. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a fun film. I enjoy it. So I'm going to go with my week. And before I say this week, oh. I, I have to say ahead of time, all 10 of these movies, with the exception of one, are films that I enjoy and would watch again. So my weakest of these four is going to be The Sound of Music. <laughs> you just dissed Julie. I can live with it. <laughs> I love Julie Andrews. She's phenomenal. Um, and, and I, in many respects, I like this movie. Uh, it has great music. It has Christopher Plummer, who I think is one of the, the great gems of acting of the past 50 years. Um, I think it's a fantastic film in many respects. However, um, I have to agree with Christopher Plummer on this um, because he is critical of the film. And he says that he tried to inject as much um, humanity and as much humor and liveliness into the film as he could, but that he felt it often fell short. Now, I don't fully agree with him on that, but I will say that I felt like so many of the emotions, high and low, in that film are, are not... They don't, they feel 
not real at times. Like, there's that moment where Christopher Plummer gets that Nazi flag and that man tears it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, buddy. Hey, that's Christopher Plummer, man. Okay. And so, you know, that, that, that moment is, is really good. And I wanted more of that. I, I wanted more of that. And, and it's, and it's, it's not always there. And the, the highs, the, the moments when they're really happy and they're having a great time, the, it, they don't always stick to landing. Um, I love the music. Robert Wise knows how to paint with a camera. The man knows how to come in from a mountain and pass over Julie Andrews and give you the feels. He's a very visually gifted director. He does not always tap into the humanity of his story as well as he could. Um, in previous episode, I have criticized Robert Wise uh, for a different film, an entirely different film. So if you wanna go back uh, and try and figure out which film I'm referring to, have fun with that. Um, but that one is my weakest. And again, I watch that movie regularly to say that I'm dissing it is too strong of a, of a thing because all four of these, we, we lucked out in the sense that all four of these were in my top. Yeah, all four of them were in my top five. So. I, I'm perplexed because I'm sitting here like, did we watch the same movie? We did. There's no way in this world that I would ever, ever put Phantom of the Opera above Sound of Music. And yet I have. And yet you have. Different strokes. Yeah. Wow, I just I just don't even know what to say to that. I will say that um Phantom is more fun. Um okay, now here I was just about to say it's that on Sorry. for joy, for joy, Sound of Music scored a solid ten for me. For sure. For singability, Sound of Music scored a solid ten. Now Phantom also scored a ten for me as well as singability, but joy a four, because again, it takes you out of the element too much. Takes you out of the story. <clears throat> Do I love that story? Yes. Oh my gosh. And will I? Will it live on still in my top three musicals of all time? Yes. The movie though, new, new, new. Phantoms more fun. Sound of Music also has this, you know, the his the history that it uh, conveys in the story. I always find interesting. Um, having that historical connection and um, just the life mm -hmm. that happens just because of the mountain and, and just oh, the yeah. imagery and like you said with the with the camera angle and Julie Andrews spinning around but also how that that mountain keeps coming back in the story of yeah. climb every mountain that beautiful song Mm -hmm. And then at the end, when they have to cross over the Alps to get to freedom, I, just some beautiful. I'm not disagreeing with you on any point. Ditto, Phantom's more fun. Could this be because you were in a. No, it could not be because I played Raul in a seven and a half minute. 11. In Phantom of the 11 minutes. 11 minute thank you very much oh was it 11 okay it felt like seven <laughs> uh. all right let's go to our fleeky what what's your fleek 
move, move, move right out of my life. Oh, this is this. It is an absolute joy to say this. Uh, my Unflake Choice is Dreamgirls. And uh, I mean, looking at these 10 again, they're just fun and boy, do I love watching them. However, when we're talking about electricity and feeling emotion and just rawness and just, you know, getting you into that spot in your brain and your heart where you can just feel this one, just, it takes you there. Um, big time. Cast is brilliant. Um, the joy is overwhelming. <clears throat> it's not like, you know, like wide-eyed, you know, sometimes musicals are, which I like those too. Don't get me wrong. But this is just so human. And like it manages to be big and also be very intimate as well. Um, and be a thinking, a thinking piece and also just, you know, a celebration of song and culture and a whole host of other things. I think Jennifer Hudson has one of the best voices in our um, working right now. And I wish that she got to do more where her voice just gets to be. Right. And like there, there's nothing. I remember her on American Idol. Like that girl, she can sing. She can sing. And when she got voted out, I remember the look on her face and that was the exact mirror of my soul. Why did she get booted out? And then she won an Oscar <laughs> for Dream Girl. So there you go. Um, she was brilliant uh, acting wise and her voice. Um, sometimes uh, Beyonce is a little much for me, but I like her in this, in this production. Um, J.B. Fox, I think he's another brilliant, brilliant actor. And just the whole, the whole gaggle of them, man, just really, really well done. The story is fantastic. I've never seen this on the stage. I have a feeling I won't like it as much as I like the movie. And this is, in general, what happened in my little rubric. If I enjoy a show as a stage show, I didn't like the movie as much. And I wonder if there's something to that. I'm not sure, but... I uh, I love My Fair Lady a lot as a stage show, but the movie, I don't like it as much. It was one of my, it was one of my lower ones actually out of these guys. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a moment. I'm sure. I really um, love just this the soundtrack yeah. is amazing, yeah. and just those couple big big songs from Jennifer Hudson are enough to just like fling it through the roof and like, yes, I will watch that anytime. I, I mean, we, even without the rubric, it, it's one of the ones that I watch most often, Dream Girls and Sound of Music and, and Hairspray. Um, I watch more than any of the other ones, but yeah. I had never seen this movie until watching it for this. That was my first time watching it. Um, so, it's a new, uh, it's a new thing for me. Um, but I, I enjoyed it very much. The director, Bill Condon, does a great job of telling a bunch of stories and 
all of the cast members felt like they had a moment to shine, um, which is rare uh, for something with that many moving parts. Um, and, you know, you've got Danny Glover, you have Eddie Murphy, you have Jennifer Hudson, you have all, all these great performers, Jamie Foxx. So the cast is stacked. Um, the music is fantastic. Um, you, you definitely feel uh, fantastic. Well, not always fantastic, but you feel when you watch it. And that's, and that's remarkable. Um, definitely a high point. Not my fleek, but definitely a high point. My fleek is My Fair Lady. And uh, the producer over there is giving me the stink eye because uh, <laughs> she apparently disagrees with me. I love My Fair Lady, and I recognize that sentimentality um, could play a But you know what? Actually, no. I, I think it is a fantastic musical. I think it has beautiful songs. I think it has talented performers. Um, you know, and I recognize that... Um, we have dubbing going on. Uh, Eliza Doolittle is not uh, being performed by Audrey Hepburn, except for certain parts. But for the most part, she's being dubbed by a very talented singer. Um, but the music is great. And Audrey Hepburn's performance is really, really good. Um, and what she puts on the screen is really well done. Um, I love that movie. I think it's, um, it has the humor. It has the, the depth of feeling. It has um, the character building. It has um, a, an ending that while on, on one level is satisfying, on another level leaves you wanting more, which is something I also felt at, at the end of Dreamgirls. When Dreamgirls ends, I'm like, ooh, I want to see what happens in the next 24 hours there and, and how things change. I also, when I get to the end of My Fair Lady, I'm like, I want to see what happens next. Um, and I like that, um, that you are invested enough in these characters that you want to um, live with them for a little longer. And you want to, you know, hypothesize what's going to happen there. Um, yeah, I love that movie. I will watch that movie above any of... That one is my number one on all of them. Uh, you put all 10 in, and that one will be the tops for me. Hey, on the bottom, you're the top. Okay, well, I'm not shocked. I have Plus, to I need to know, I, I, apparently, I need to make everyone aware that the song I have often walked down these streets before but the pavement always stayed beneath my feet before it's a beautiful song snap sir I paid him to do that <laughs> not yet <laughs> Ben Moser the checks in the mail checks in the mail uh -huh. No, um, I, I do love that, and and I get detract the detractors against it because the producer that's in the room with me, aka my wife, 
Um, <laughs> she's not so fond of that. She, to say she's not fond of it is not accurate. She does like it, but I think the ending kind of spoils it. For okay, her. yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, uh, producer Natalie. So yeah, I and like uh, the the character of the professor, he, he's he's a conundrum. He's he's a he's a riddle, <clears throat> and um, I don't know. He leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and I think that's part of his quote-unquote charm maybe <clears throat> and uh his realness perhaps and what makes him a complex interesting character but i don't like him <laughs> and I, like if i'm thinking about like as a female in this in this po position where he's her teacher and he's kind of abusive and then she comes back to him. It's almost like that that syndrome with the, the kidnapper and Stockholm syndrome. Fall, yeah, Stockholm syndrome. And she's like, Yes, oh, I'm back. And Eliza. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just like, I don't know. And if it were real, if it were me, there's no way. There's no way that you know, after somebody beat me down that much that I'd be like, all right, let's go back. Let's go back for more. And I and I get the criticism. But A songs are great. Is it, it, well and isn't it nice when your your lead because let's be clear, both our leads in this film, especially in the beginning, neither of them are particularly pleasant people. She becomes more pleasant she's and grows. Charming. She's just dirty. She's just, you know, on the street. She becomes more charming and she grows and progresses. She's charming. He, on the other hand, is much slower and his progression is not as and he's a um, significant. <laughs> and so I get I get the frustration. I still love it. And I think the reason that I love it is because you can go several different ways with that ending. And some people take it the negative way of, okay, he's not going to change. Personally, I take it in the way of we're starting to see a, a gradual shifting in him. I have optimism. I have confidence in sunshine. I oh. have and what musical was that from, Richard? <laughs> the worst of these four. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, oh, speaking of that, so the, the lead-in son of music, Julie Andrews, could have played Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. But the producers didn't think she was famous enough yet. Ugh. And, and then Audrey Hepburn came to Julie Andrews after the fact and said, you should have played the part. Hmm. And that is another ding for me, honestly, is, is the vocal dubbing. And okay, you want to have a good actor. And I mean, that's a question. I mean, do you have, you know, an actor who doesn't sing, aka Phantom or Les Mis or something like that, or just have a really good actor who, whose voice gets dubbed? How about just just bring in some people who like actually sing for a living and act. That would be a novel idea. Well, and you have musicals like Rent that pulled from their Broadway cast. Um, 
say what you will about rent and your opinions thereof. Uh, but, you know, so you have ones that don't necessarily go for the, the big name stars. And then you have ones that go for the bigger names that maybe don't have the musical talent. I think it's, uh, it's case by case. We'll talk about Les Mis in the special uh, bonus episode because I got thoughts. <laughs> yeah, me too. I got issues, actually. But yeah, a really, a really nice bag of films, actually, these four. Um, bag of films. Bag of films. There it is. They are. Um, let me ask you a question. You have, you, um, have to be 100% honest. Were you always going to choose My Fair Lady? And... No. <laughs> um, no, I actually wasn't. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you. In my, my little uh, lexicon here, my list... Um, my number two choice was, was close, uh, for me, it was quite close. Um, and my, yeah, I, and I then dream girls also watching that today, uh, cause that's fresh. Um, like that, that really got me like, uh, it was really hard. Like it, choosing my least was easy. But choosing my best was actually a pretty difficult process. Hmm. So musicals are so fun. They are. We're probably going to do like eighteen more musical episodes uh, <laughs> throughout the course of this podcast for however long it lasts. Oh, absolute but, torture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just wait. Just wait. We have. Uh, we'll have some special. Just wait. Podcast listeners, just wait. will be too late. All right. Well, uh, I think that's all I have to say. Well, I guess I should say, where? What was the one that I didn't really comment on yet? Um, You'll be broken all that money. Do I help you? Down be funny. Do you think that you're Henry Higgins? Do you have a Do you have a connection with Henry Higgins? Are you saying am I a stuck up? misogynist who uh, is not kind to people that he views to be of a lower class. Some kind of highbrow three professor guy in, in a chair in a, in a kind of a, a British <laughs> sitting room. <laughs> I feel like that, that feels familiar. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to suss out if this is an insult or a compliment. And, and I'm not sure that it's it's both. It's like you did like a double tap there. Use the Insult, compliment between you and the professor. Why? Why does? Why is it so meaningful for you? That's what bonus episode. All right, and then in the bonus, actually, one last thought: if they ever do a remake of My Fair Lady, Hugh Laurie needs to play Henry Higgins. Boom, done. Hmm. I'll have to think about that. He's a very capable fellow. I thought about it. It's right. Oh, and you're always right. And that sounds very Professor Higgins yes. of you. I, that's, I did it just for you. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Parting shots? Listen to the bonus. Oh, how many um, out of out of Ten encores. How many encores do we give these four films? Oh. Well, shoot. 
She's looking at her rubric. I am looking at my rubric. Hush. So. Do it from your heart. Listen to your heart. Put away the rubric. Put away the rubric. Well, since uh, two out of those four films I, I watch pretty often, that's going to score it really high. That would be like 10 territory. However, Phantom really depresses me. It really does. And My Fair Lady, I love the show. I love it so much. The stage show. Don't love the movie as much. I'm going to say eight, eight on course. Okay. I'm giving it an 8.5. <gasps> he scored higher than me. I don't think that's ever happened before. Yep. There you go. Just a smidge though. Don't want to, you know, blow things <coughs> you don't want to talk anybody. All right. Well, I think that's all I got.